Philadelphia. I'm Joel Embiid. Like, I want the ball. You can use John with anything. You could be like, yo, hey, them Johns is hot. Them, your shoes, you know what I'm saying? So it can mean anything. Welcome to the Fly Zone. It, this is the Philly centric from the people for the people podcast, talking all things culture, sports, social media, everything going on in the city of Philadelphia, everything going on around town. And it is the first day of spring. First day of the spring, day baby. Of, <laughs> the first day of spring. And I'm joined with always, as always, my great co host, Deshaun the Connect Carter. And this week we have a special guest with us. Some would call him the uh, Black Mel Kiper. I hope better than Mel Kiper because Mel Kiper sucks. He actually never right. But we're joined with Terrell McLean. Shout out to people. Say what's up to Terrell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You know, Mel Kiper gets paid, so don't forget about that. I'm on his heels right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because we like we told you last week's episode, we are going to be breaking down. We're going to be doing these draft breakdowns, and this week we have quarterbacks. We're going to be doing all that in this episode. This is going to be we're going to do the fly zone, but it's going to be a draft centric one. So anybody t- wants to look for a culture and news, the news is stay stay behind at home. It's dangerous out here. It's a panty. I wrote I wrote around seventeenth and Chestnut looking for a parking spot for thirty five minutes. That just and that was at by the way eleven a.m. That just tells you everything you need to know. Eleven in the morning, I couldn't find a spot in all of Center City. Yeah. So the STEMI money has hit. Every Foot Locker had a door, a line outside the door. The Apple Store downtown had a line outside the door. We know what y'all doing with that stimulus money. <laughs> we approve. Why not? <laughs> um, before we get into the draft, Sean, when they want to listen to talking uh, talking about sports, news, culture in the city, where can you find us on social media and where can you tap in and listen to us at? On social media platforms, on Instagram, we're at the.flyzone. On Twitter, we're at the flyzone. We're also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Amazon Podcasts, and YouTube is coming. So tap in. Yes, like we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Like, we're everywhere. The, like the feds, but not like in a stalker. We're going to murder you and make a documentary about you later on. Uh, I make no uh, Anyway. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and since this is the quarterback receiver running back episode, we are going to get into that. But we should talk about the quarterback that we shipped out of town, or how you want to say it left us. Was it a breakup, or was it? I mean, it was it was a mutual breakup. Homeboy left. He, he left. He left us. He left. He left us. And I don't think we cried about it. I don't think we were sad. <laughs> we ain't mourning. We good. <laughs> we good. He definitely some, dumped some us, though, right? About it. Some people cried about it. They soft. Yeah. The soft ones cry. We, we ain't talking about the soft ones. They, that's the, we got dumped. We got no. We definitely okay, got okay. dumped. We got dumped. Okay. We got I think dumped. the organization got dumped. Okay. Okay. The organization and the fan base, two different things. If you want to be, I'm technical. sure Howie crying somewhere. For sure. If you want to be technical, absolutely. He had his opening introductory press conference with the Indianapolis Colts, and he had an interesting thing to say about the moment he knew it was over for him. I also found it interesting because you know. This was a game he actually played in. It wasn't <laughs> so it wasn't I'm like, oh maybe he thought the Saints game when Jalen kinda won. I'm like, no, you're talking about the game you were in? Okay. Game he said Green Bay was probably the moment that I realized this might not be it. And then he said he went later on to say, you know, this is that was a game when he started thinking to himself, well, can I which teams could he consider going to? So he's actually checked out to a point of on the sideline thinking about where my wife and my baby would look great at in the sun in California in Indianapolis in the dome. And so once that quote dropped on social media, of course we are at Negadelphia, the negative city that never sleeps. It went wild because there was a lot of big part of the fan base that kind of felt like who, how, how dare he, who does that. And, you know, that means he quit on us mid game. He quit on us. This guy, this is a guy who got a five year deal, $130 million and he's sitting there when things aren't going his way, and he's sitting on the sideline talking about, I wonder if I look good in Houston. Um, and so there was a huge part of the fan base that kind of felt like it shows that he quit on us and that there was no loyalty, the whole concept of loyalty. How do you feel about that? Either of you can jump in here and say, where's your idea on just conceptually players? Is there a loyalty thing to have the organization? And is from a quarterback perspective, if it's, if it's your team, that you want a devoted guy who would never just mentally go there like he did on the sideline? In Green Bay, I think um, from an organizational standpoint, I don't think there's. I think loyalty is mutual, so I don't fault Carson for thinking about that or feeling that way at all. I really think it's about what the organization did 
to have that be a thought in his mind. So I do feel like he has a right to think about other places that he might go, given what the organization did. In my opinion, what the organization did is they drafted a quarterback in the second round. I would like somebody who's mentally strong, but we've heard this over the years from different quarterbacks. None of us want to, none of us like it, but I've heard it from Donovan McNabb. I heard it from Steve Young. Everybody says quarterbacks are territorial. You can't bring in somebody to compete. And while I personally disagree with that, I don't like that mindset. It's overwhelmingly true in the NFL. Like that's just how it works. Like you can't bring in a quarterback you draft in the second round to compete with your starter. So I think once the Eagles did that, they sent a message to Carson Wentz. They sent a message to the media. They sent a message to the fan base. They sent a message to the other teams in the NFL. So Carson, in my opinion, dealt with that in the way that any other quarterback outside of maybe the elite of the elite, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, would deal with that. And I think they all would be flustered by it and their play would suffer. What I do think is interesting about that point, though, is like the Carson sitting there thinking of teams he can go to. Like he has all these different options. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what really gets me about this is like he just has no idea how bad he was last year. Like I don't think yeah. Ryan Tannehill was out in Miami thinking about man, what team I'm going to? Oh, like, right. like no, he's not come out. Who, who who's going to take me? Besides, mm-hmm. you know, like he's. He's shuffling through this mountain of teams that would want to take him. I mean, he he was horrible last year. I think the Eagles had something to do with that. I think he has something to do with that. I just think it's hilarious to think that somebody who played that awful <laughs> thinks that there's he has so many options that he has to be thinking about it on the sideline. Like, no, it's like one or two teams. Yeah, I feel I feel like I can kind of understand why the fan base would feel it was a little selfish. Um, because you got players on the team who are still trying to – they still had a chance to make the playoffs at the time. So they're still trying to make a push. So the players on the team are like, you know, they still all bought in. You know, they, they, they're trying they – playing hard every week. And you hear you are on the sideline thinking about where you're going to play at next week. What's for dinner? What's your wife cooking for dinner? You know what I mean? So if you so if you were if you weren't tapped into the season and you completely checked out, I felt like he would should have been more vocal to the coach then. Like, hey, listen, like it's, let's mm-hmm. let's give it to Jalen. Let's see what Jalen can do with it. You know, I'm I'm pretty. I feel like I'm pretty much done here. You know, and I don't agree with what they did by drafting Jalen Hurts. I feel like we all pretty kind of know that was a that was a bad yeah. pick. Nobody agrees with that pick. And like Terrell said, I would love a quarterback, and I think that's that's why the the fan base is upset. I think we wanted to view Carson as that elite top tier quarterback, and it's like when he the the thing the way he handled certain things, certain situations, the uh, how sensitive we feel like he might have been. It just wasn't what we was looking for. Yeah, and I don't even feel this this concept of loyalty that's come up in the fan base. I'm I'm a straight. It's this is a business, you know. Nino Brown. This is like this is a business. <laughs> this is America. This is American way. Right. I, Carson doesn't owe me as a fan anything personally, and I also understand it's human nature. If you have a job, the job hires somebody identical to your job to do what you do. I might be on Indeed tomorrow. I might be on Career Builder. I might be looking, I'm like, I'm reading the tea leaves in a sense of like, you know, that's just human nature. Somebody brings somebody in to do your job the same way you do it. You're like, well, maybe I need to look at my options. Yeah. Like, so I like, I, I do agree with both of you in a sense of like him on the sideline thinking about where I, where I would go and everything else. And I kind of see, do see the optics of we gave you this massive financial commitment. Why would you even mentally go there? But at the end of the day, a team can trade you whenever they want. They, like there is no loyalty really to this game. They rot around the backs of the dirt, and they they use them up. They trade them, or they or and when you ask for your compensation, they say you're being selfish. They want you to take a team play cut, pay cut, everything else. So I'm all for a straight business. Get your money when you can. Now I do agree with Terrell in the sense of like he played so trash, so it's, it's kind of hysterical that you would be over there saying, "Oh yeah, who 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 needs who who's I'm taking my talents to where? What's which beach? Because yeah, yep. who are you? I feel like he uh, but, on the on a like kind of like in the mindset of like. Like these niggas know who I am. <laughs> you know I mean, they know me. Like I ain't. Run, man. run my. It's that yeah. twenty seventeen tape. That's it's twenty. It's twenty twenty one though. That's that's how many years ago, Carson. You're right. Like you were the MVP. Uh, or should have been the MVP in twenty seventeen. That's four years ago. <laughs> we don't. So we don't know you actually. Yeah. So I think we all kind of agree with such a like this the fan base situation of this loyalty concept that oh he should have. Listen, I once I feel like the wind is blowing a certain way, I unfollowed a player on social media 
so quick. I have unfollowed Zach Ertz. He's still on the team. <laughs> I don't have no heart in the game for none of these players. I left my hearts at Dawkins. They took it out and stepped on it then. So I have no when these people get traded, like he doesn't Carson don't own me. I didn't cry. They so they ripped up my chest and threw it against the wall and stomped on it. Yeah, I kind of I don't have nothing left. I, so Carson leaving, once he Chip, don't owe me nothing. Once Chip shipped out DJ and Shady. Oh, that was crazy too. Um, that was crazy. Yeah, that was like right. it was that like was a second. It was like yo, I, I can't, I can't be this emotionally tied to this team like yeah. this. I, I had to take a step back. It's like it's because now I feel like, what the hell is going on? Like they left me. Like it was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. So I can't, I can't feel like that game. no more. Yeah, and so I just feel like the fans. I think they need maybe they have maybe it's a younger fan base. Maybe you lived enough to see like this is this is nothing, and there'll be more to come. They'll do the same with Miles Sanders once he gets good. They'll do the same to everybody else. Fletcher <laughs> Cox will be traded at one point. Let's let it go. <laughs> the sooner y'all get into that pit, the and better. Can't be here forever. They're gonna keep BG forever. Though. I ain't mad at that. My not. dog. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people coming and going and forever, we did have one signing outside of. The the the, the, sign, the people we brought back, um, we signed Anthony Harris, a safety from the Vikings. A lot of people had a lot to say about the free agency approach Harry Roseman is taking, which is a non-free agency approach, which is like signing nobody. I think I saw a tweet that yesterday where it said the the Bills had like twenty two transactions and we still had the one in that same day. And a lot of fans are kind of just like how we wake up. Now, personally, I'll ask you guys. I'm fine with it. I I have embraced that we suck. I have embraced that we're just a team with some stars on it but we're not going to be competitive for any kind of title i also reconciled that we're cash strapped so we don't have enough money i think that everybody's looking for next year to free up and the, the tv contract has come through as we saw in the latest news that the nfl got a new tv contract with espn and everybody so that we'll have a bigger side cap next year without carson went to south and i just think i was ready to do no no pickups mid-tier guys the anthony harris on and actually shocked me because he does he's not a bump. I was ready to get some like a Coy Detmer type guy over here. I'm like, yes, yeah, so we, we can't even we can't even afford to keep anybody. I ask you guys, do you do you care that the Eagles don't really care about free agency? I kind of expected it, honestly. Um, I didn't expect them to be too active in free agency. Honestly, I'm making a prediction. I feel like we're going to probably be in the top ten next year in the draft as well. Again, well, I hope I can only dream, Sean. Yeah. So I'm saying I said that to say like, so I didn't I didn't expect them to go crazy in free agency. You know, we rebuilding so. They're not going to go make a whole bunch of crazy signings of, you know, high-paid players. So, honestly, it's kind of what I expected. I don't even know why Dory Jackson's coming here tomorrow. For what? Yeah, stay home, bro. <laughs> we not signing one. Quick shout-out. We did sign uh, another safety, Andrew Adams from the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, so uh, our, our defensive backfield is solidified now. We, got <laughs> we are officially uh, a top 32 team. Yeah. Unstoppable. He, he, played, he played a defensive snap, snap in the Super Bowl, so, I mean, can't 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 what put a price on it. Trending in the right direction right now. Um. So yeah, I, I agree with Pearson. We not we not in a position where signing a big name player here or signing somebody to a long term deal is really going to change the trajectory of this team. I agree with him. We probably going to be in the top ten next year. I don't really see the value at this point signing somebody who's you know maybe. 29, 30 years old, as if they're going to be the jolt that we need to, you know, compete for a Super Bowl. Because they're not. I think so. If you're a person who believes getting in the playoffs is something you should be striving for, then maybe you should be a little bit more aggressive in free agency. And I don't even bring that up because this division is terrible. Horrible. I don't think the Eagles are going to win this division. But I wouldn't blame the players in that locker room or the people in the front office if they think they have a legitimate shot to do so. So what this approach of free agency really shows me is that they have changed from what they've been doing the last few years, which is fooling themselves into thinking that they were had in the position to compete via the NFC East. I think the last few years, they kind of made some bad decisions in free agency with contract extensions by fooling themselves and saying this division is horrible. We can get in the playoffs and anything can happen because I think that logic still applies now, but they're not doing it. I think you could make a case that the Eagles have a decent chance to win the NFC East. They certainly wouldn't be the favorites, but they have a decent chance to win a terrible division 
and get in the playoffs. And I'm happy to see that the Eagles have reversed course. They're not buying into the BS of saying, well, if we're better than the Giants and Washington and the Cowboys, no, you're, you're just a bad team that may get into the playoffs. Yeah, you, Rebuild. You, make it, you still suck. Yeah. <laughs> Rebuild. Like Washington, like Washington's uh, last year when they play game. Get the salary cap under control. Collect some draft picks by trading off players. Get younger, and let's just see where we're at in two years. Yeah, that's a that's spot on. I, I just feel like I think the fans are reacting or overreacting because there's a lack of activity, and they haven't accepted the fact that what we all know to be true: we're a bad team. Nobody wants to really root for a bad team. No one wants to go back to the Kevin Cobb years where we're just sitting around and we know we, you, you know when was the last time you woke up on Sunday and you just knew you were going to lose a game with Carson and everything else. We had a concept that we were in every game, and we had to kind of reset to the fact that like we could be in every game because Jalen we have talent we have Fletcher Cox, but like we're not collectively across the board a good team. And once the team play fans shift down to the mindset of this is not a good all around team because we have so many holes to fill. They can kind of make sense of what you're all talking about of how you have to have to like let that go. Which hopefully, the Eagles have done. Let it go. Like we're not. We don't. Every, every person that got cut this week, you know, people are like, why don't we sign AJ Green? What are we going to do with AJ Green? <laughs> 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 what can we? Like, why don't we do? I'm like, there's we can't do anything with any of these people. Like let let that go. Let it go. I, I think Casey Hayward got cut. And they're like, oh, we can pair him with Slay to do what? <laughs> to do what? All of our linebackers are undrafted free agents right now. Actually, Nate Gary is a free agent. We might not, we might not even get the white snake back, and he was horrible. I'm about to say, let him go. <laughs> let him go. And so it's just like, let's, please please embrace us. Embrace the suck here, people. Put your head up. We are that team that when people get the schedule, they say, we played the Eagles this week, that's a dub. Accept this. Mm-hmm. They, they don't practice Player, as hard that week. They are ready to put stats up on us. They're trying to make a Pro Bowl on our heads. And that's it. There are teams in this league who I'm convinced go into training camp, take one look at their quarterback, and say, we don't have a chance. <laughs> yeah. Those are the teams that lay down. The one thing I'll say about the Eagles is, because I'm with Sean, I want this team to get a top 10 draft pick. I hope they get a top five draft pick. Perfect. But mm-hmm. what I notice about this team is a lot of the veterans have this unrealistic view of themselves and where the team is. And I'm talking about Lane and Kelsey and BG and Fletch. And it's because of all the adversity that they've had in the past seasons that they really believe, like, yo, we're, we're a championship caliber team. We can make it. And the fact that this division is horrible. You could get eight games into the season. The Eagles could be three and five or two and six. And they could still have a mathematical shot. And the third thing is Jalen Hurts. This team is not going to go into training camp look at their quarterback, and say we don't have a chance. I think they love Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Rager, you saw a little bit of it on Twitter. I think Jalen Rager and Fulgham, I think these guys think they're going to ball out this year. Yeah. So I think it's hard hard for a team like that to really be trash. And you figure this out when you're gambling. I figured it out when I was gambling. Like you can't just say, yo, this team is better than this team in the NFL. You need to find the team's that are laying down. There are certain teams that get halfway through the season and you're like, man, they're 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 two, they're two and six, they're three and five. It's over for them. It's not gonna be over for the Eagles Mm-mm. because yeah. the division is so bad. And I also believe that they have Jalen Hurts has some magic. I I don't think he's the guy, but I think enough players on that team think he's the guy. So I still think they're gonna be a bad team. Yeah. But I would throw a little bit of a cold water on the idea that they're like a shoe-in for a really high pick next year. Because I think to be that bad, you have to be the type of team that lays down. And I don't see this team, yeah, I don't see this team quitting. I think this team is going to come out there every week, play hard. We all believe in Jalen Hurts and they're in a terrible division. So I honestly believe you're looking at a six-win team. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could possibly be seven. I don't know. I want this team to be drafted in the top five. And if they were in another division, if they had some dog at quarterback, you know, I, I feel like I would be comfortable saying this team's going to be right back in the top five, top six again next year. But I just can't say that because mm-hmm. of this division, because of this quarterback and the veterans on this team. 
who have honestly risen from the dead before. Like, you know, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, BG, they've been buried before. And so it's nothing for them to be halfway through the season and be in last place or be in third place. Everybody's saying they don't have a chance. That's when, honestly, this team has been at its best. Yep. So I really hope that they're bad next year, but I'm kind of yeah. nervous about it. <laughs> to to kind of piggyback off of that, Terrell, I feel like this is what they always kind of do to us. They're like, so we'll go into the season and be like, ah, oh, we're not that good. Let's see kind of what happens. We're not too excited. Then they, like, reel us in. They might, like, win their first three or four games. Like, oh, shit, they kind of they actually good. Then it turns out, it's like, nah, they're not. You know what I mean? But by that time, it's like we're already involved emotionally. It's like, oh. You already yeah, got, yeah. got jerseys. <laughs> you already, you already got your, exactly. your Hurts jersey out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Dylan Hurts is the, the best quarterback in the first five weeks of the NFL. Like, we lit. Speaking of making the Eagles better or even just as we enhance, we talk about free agency and everything else, there are other ways to add to your team, and we're talking about the draft, and we're going to get into this draft breakdown situation. And we're starting with the quarterbacks. And we're obviously going to do quarterback, running backs, and receivers. And I kind of think we all agree that at some point, hopefully in this draft, we add every position we're going to name today. I don't care what round it is, but we have one quarterback on our roster, so I'm assuming they're going to add a quarterback. The backup to Miles Sanders has no real depth. And, of course, we need a receiver because every year we need a receiver. So, yeah. But we're going to start with the quarterbacks. I, we, we talked about this before in the pod. I, I, we haven't talked to Terrell about it, the sixth pick. But I, the way we've come across in the sixth pick is that but if we take a quarterback at six, I'm prepared to put in an El Chapo level of drugs and higher open the house and call the feds <laughs> on him. There is no way <laughs> in the reality. But we're going to, yeah, get into the quarterbacks. And I want to ask you first before you, you guys give me your top five of how you evaluate these people. How do you view the quarterback position in this year's draft? Do you think it's draft rich? Do you think it's like the receiver class of a year, year two years ago? We just have a bunch of you can get, you can come in the second and third round, get you a, get you a Cal Trash and Cal Trash is a franchise guy, or is it really top heavy? Like once you start talking about the top four or five guys go, you're pretty much not looking. You're looking at Kellamon and nobody, and you're just done. For me, it's kind of, it's, it's it's really top heavy. I'm not a a huge fan of a lot of these guys coming out. Honestly, um, after Trevor Lawrence, I feel like it's a significant drop off. Um, significant. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say these guys aren't talented. I think they probably some of them probably will produce, but not to the level of where they'll be drafted at. I want to say I think it's a, a quarterback rich draft in that a lot of years it's one or two guys that you feel confident in, and I think this year you got you have a legitimate five guys that if you draft you feel like they have a shot. Um, mm. There's other there's other years where there are guys who you don't see have the talent and gets pushed up because, you know, intangibles or you know, their coach's son or they look like a quarterback is supposed to look. I don't know. But I think this year you really have five quarterbacks who can play. If your team comes away with one of these quarterbacks, you got some, you have some legitimate hope. So I think it's a quarterback rich draft class. I mean, what the Eagles should be doing is another story, but if yeah. you're comparing it to other years, I can't think of that many years where, I mean, Trey Lance is the unanimous fourth quarterback, and people are legitimately excited about it. I feel like somebody's going to be really excited about the prospects of Trey Lance. I think, you know, there's people who talk about Mac Jones, and I think that's legitimate. So he's the fifth quarterback. He's going to go probably in the first round. But I think whoever gets Mac Jones is going to be sitting there saying, yeah, I really like this guy. And I think you can legitimately say that. Yeah, I will. I I will say, like, obviously, we'll get into how we view these quarterbacks, but I will say that every quarterback, if we talk about the top five quarterbacks, I think we all agree, regardless of how we view them, they're going to be taken in the first round. Yes. For whatever reason, first round quarterbacks. Now, when the next quarterback is taken, we'll, we can talk about that later. Um, before we get evaluations, I always have to ask, like, how do you view quarterback play as far as a franchise guy? Like you see a Trevor Lawrence, you're thinking this is an elite guy, this is a franchise Super Bowl, Bowl winning quarterback. You get down to some other quarterbacks you evaluate, and you're like, well, he can be a franchise quarterback, which is not the same thing as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. How do, how do you guys view the quarterback position when you're evaluating? Are you looking for a guy that can win a Super Bowl? Or are you looking for a guy that can just do a Mark Brunel and just stabilize a team? If you drafted somebody in the first round, the first half of the first round, what I like to see is somebody who can do everything. I don't like to see any physical limitations. Um, 
at this point in the NFL, don't bring me anybody that is not mobile. Like you can look at somebody who's Fair. drafted before uh, Matt Ryan. I don't, I don't want Matt Ryan in 20, 2021. I mean, Matt Ryan's a fine quarterback, but if you can't do everything, if you don't have the arm strength, if you don't have the size, don't bring me some guy who's, you know, 6'1". No, none of that. So to me, I like to see physical tools and then hope that the coaching on the next level can kind of mold this into a franchise quarterback. What I think of when I say a franchise quarterback, it's somebody who you change your franchise. There's the guy that you were talking about, Candace, which is a stabilizer. I think once you get a franchise quarterback, all your plans go out the window. If you have to fire the coach, you got to get a new defensive coordinator. He doesn't like one of the receivers. He uh, doesn't like the meals you serve in the lunchroom. You change everything because this is the guy. Um, And keeping it Philly here, the Eagles did that to their their, uh, credit. They did that. In 2016, once Carson Wentz's rookie season was over, they did that. They decided this is the guy. We're going to go get Alshon, Jeff. We're going to throw a whole bunch of money at all these people because we're ready to go right now. So to me, the franchise guy is the guy that you get. You get him in there. You get him on the practice field. You see, and you see him play, and you make the decision, this is the guy, and whatever it takes to get the most out of this guy, that's what we're going to do. So when I say a franchise quarterback, I want to see physical tools, and I also think it's a player who's good enough that if you're a run-heavy team, you're now a pass-heavy team. If you're a defensive team that hasn't invested that much in offense, now you're signing free, three free and wide receivers. Because this is a dude. So that's what I want to see. And that's how I think of a franchise quarterback. Yeah, and I I think it's, it's similar to me in the sense of that I want a guy who can make every throw. Yes. Of course, with my first round. And I also, when I see franchise guy, I think, like you talk, you pretty much touched on the fact that like you change everything for you. The expectations of your franchise shifts. So like you said, you're doing all these things because, like you said with Carson, we went from a team – we, he, play, he played well enough his rookie year. Then you saw that he was elite. You, well, we had a concept that he was elite. So that means we're not just vying for beating the Cowboys within the division. What can we surround him with to try to win the Super Bowl? Because you think he has a talent to win the Super Bowl. So when I say a franchise quarterback, that you have the arm talent, you have that elite play to, like, you know, extend it. I also think that your scheme, your scheme I would say, transferable. I think that if you – some not all franchise, but elite quarterbacks, you can put Aaron Rodgers in any kind of scheme, and he's going to ball out. Now there are there are schemes in which he's going to ball out less, but because he can make all these throws, because he can do this, because his pocket awareness or everything else. So a quarterback that, regardless of you go too tight end, you go twelve, you have obviously twelve personality, you do they would do whatever. So you have the elite, you have the elite arm talent, the IQ, your play actually accelerates because we had a timeline for the franchise then Carson we saw he's good it accelerates your timelines for a Super Bowl there's a there's a difference between I say there's a difference between a Super Bowl winning quarterback which as far as arm talent and a franchise guy Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback he so hit him like one, didn't they? yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not pulling on that one <laughs> <laughs> so he's not. a franchise like my like you said Matt Ryan Matt Ryan's a franchise quarterback yes. he, you you're going to more likely win with his arm talent his IQ everything than you do then there's elite play which is like Patrick Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady who just are elite whatever yeah if I'm Except drafting in the first round and they're not on the same yeah I, I mean that right now they're franchise quarterbacks in 2021 they're franchise quarterbacks I think both Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins they're right now in this year put you in the same position to win a game currently because I think Matt has, whatever, for whatever reason, it's not clicking there. But what I'm saying is that if I'm taking the first round, you have at least have to be at bare minimal the stabilizer we talked about. And at your ceiling, you better be a Super Bowl. You can, you, your ceiling better be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, which is all the throws, the intangibles, the quarterback IQ, the pocket awareness, everything else. And, you know, I don't care if you go shoot and hunt with your brother and make a, a wild wilderness show, but you better win. And when you do it, no shade to that guy in Indianapolis now. And so to me, it's the, like you said, the size, the intangibles, the arm strength, the, 
the ability to make every throw, the pocket awareness, the IQ, and all how uh, that all translates to elevating everybody else on the field to play better. If we traded for Aaron Rodgers right now, what would your expectation be for the season? They're going to the playoffs. You know, there it is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, uh, I mean, like, the, the, the same as, like, roster. But the same yeah. as, like, roster, obviously, yeah. we're going to draft you're going to draft Chase or you're going to draft Pitts or whatever. But with the the skeleton of the roster is in place, you just put an Aaron Rodgers into the roster plus the rookies we get. Yeah, I think they would immediately be overwhelming favorites to win the NFC. Yeah. Um, I don't know how far they would get, but. <laughs> exactly at that app. To, to me, player, players like that, that should be that should be the floor. The floor is yeah. you're probably going to win the division. I mean, they don't do it every year, but, you know, it doesn't matter what Russell Wilson's team is like. Um, it doesn't matter what players are around them. I think every year Russell Wilson's expected by those fans and by the team to figure out a way to win that division. Yeah. And I think that's a realistic expectation. I wouldn't bet against them. I think it's, I don't think the Seahawks are the best team in that division. I'm not betting yeah. against the Seahawks. And the reason I ain't betting against the Seahawks is they got Russell Wilson. Right. From from that perspective, that's what I'm talking about. It's there's a ceiling, but you know, and like we were talking about, there's also a floor. And the mm-hmm. floor is you're never not in competition. Yeah, you're never you're never out of a game. That's how it was with the Saints. You have Drew Brees in the game. With this, you have Don Brady in the game. Like you never, they will never. You can never go and lose in that game. That's just that. No, because like you were talking about with the coaching, there are some quarterbacks who coaches will get more out of. You know, that's why Indianapolis I, is better than one. Yeah, I mean, it's it could be a plethora of things. Honestly, I think it's deeper. It's always deeper than just who's on the team. I don't think. I mean, that, of course, it matters, but it's, it's a little deeper than that. I feel like, I feel like we don't we don't uh, we don't consider chemistry enough. It's just I don't know. I just know it's a lot of. It's just deeper than just saying, oh, we got this player, you got that player, you got this person. What I guess with my next my franchise quarterbacks were like to me because I was talking to Terrell about like how your expectation ex- accelerates, and he said people like Russell Wilson. It doesn't matter who's around him, the number one, two receiver. You know, Russell Wilson is never out of a game. Like, you're not going to bet against Russell Wilson no matter what. Right. So, it, like, right. is your view of a franchise quarterback, If why is a franchise quarterback? If I feel like Aaron Rodgers is in the game, no matter what. If I feel like, you know, the great Tom Brady's in the game, no matter what. Patrick Mahomes, I don't care what you put him in. Why is it? Then I feel like there's a franchise quarterback, there's elite talent, and then there's everybody else because – what you're talking about is that for fr- some franchise quarterbacks, we need the perfect system, the scheme. Like you're, like we sit there, we're, we're all going to agree in a few minutes. Trevor Lawrence is going number number one overall. We all know that, but Trevor Lawrence is in Jacksonville with that coaching staff and that personnel. And Trevor Lawrence, if he went to Kansas City, would be Trevor Lawrence is completely different than he's going to be in Jacksonville. To me, I'm like, well, if I put Aaron Rodgers in Jacksonville, I tell like Terrell, if we, put, if we trade for Aaron Rodgers right now, Terrell said we're going to win a division. Yeah, hands down. So how so? How do you view this scheme dependent on everything else? Because if we're saying Trevor Lawrence is the number one quarterback and he's elite, and you said last week, which I agree to you, Sean, that he's the highest whatever rated quarterback or hype quarterback since we, I think you said Andrew Luck, right? Yeah. And I agree. Why am I looking at number one overall and I'm sitting there thinking, well, he has to go the right fit, the right team, everything else. And you're talking about, well, you know, this quarterback has to be the personnel. You got two two people from TV, like. Then is that well, the think, franchise guy? Then I think in today's NFL, honest, my honest opinion, in today's NFL, I feel like you don't have to be as good. You don't have to be because it's like so. Like Terrell was saying earlier, in, in today's NFL, you want to see you want somebody. You have to have somebody that's mobile. You have to, because like, other than that, the pocket passer, it's not a it's not a league for him anymore. So I feel like because of that, before it was just based off arm talent, and now since you got you got to take into, into consideration so many other things, it's like. I have to be good at. Um, I have to be mobile. I have to have good arm talent. I have to be a, have the strong arm. I have to have the IQ. They're not great at. So in the passing league, you don't have to be great at. No, I'm passing. saying you don't. I'm saying you don't have to be great at it. But you have you do, you have to be good at more than one thing. Before the quarterback had to be, you had to have pretty good accuracy, strong arm, and you kind of were good if you had a, a decent IQ. Then if you're not mobile, you pretty much don't have a job. I feel like you have to be yeah, you have yeah. to be good at more than one thing now. So it's like I can't just be great at just passing. So it kind of like I don't want to say it decreases the value, but I don't think quarterback at the position you don't have to be as good as you had to be. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with that. I think one of the one of the driving factors when you're talking about a quarterback is you know the difference between just winning a Super Bowl like you were talking about going to Jacksonville. 
I mean, all those things are to win a Super Bowl. If you're talking about winning a Super Bowl, like Drew Brees has one Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. Like it's really hard to win the Super Bowl. So a lot of things have to be in place. Let's just say in Jacksonville for Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence to win a Super Bowl there. You know, yeah. We all need to discuss Urban Meyer and some of the allegations. <laughs> exactly. I'm just leave that here, and you can fucking <laughs> Google it if you want to. But for Trevor Lawrence to be a successful NFL quarterback, I agree with you. He shouldn't need uh, an elite coach, an elite team. So you can you can see the difference in going back to the Russell Wilson conversation. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are not going to win the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson could drag them to the playoffs, but we all know they're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to win the Super Bowl because they don't have the necessary pieces around him. So I think the pieces around you, the supporting cast, the coaching staff, all that can change. And I think a quarterback who is a franchise quarterback is going to play to a certain level to where your team is in competition for the division. But on the other end, if you have a great team and you have a quarterback who's just, you know, okay or pretty good. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. You can, you can, and this is where I agree with Sean, like you can win the Super Bowl with a lot of different quarterbacks because of the emphasis on running game and all the different ways a quarterback can contribute. So you look at a team, Two of the teams I think of are Chicago and Indianapolis um, from like la- the last two years. These are teams who have had bad quarterbacks, but have still been really good. And I think if I think you can put not a lot, I, I think you can put like eight to ten quarterbacks on those teams, and they'd have a shot to win a Super Bowl over the last two years if they had one of eight to ten different quarterbacks. Well, <clears throat> since we're talking. Slot in quarterbacks. We already mentioned the number one guy in Jacksonville. And I don't think anybody, I think all, between all three of us, we all have Trevor Lawrence as our one. There's no shockers here going on here. We, when we get into the breakdown, and I was actually offer your top five, we can start with Trevor Lawrence, 6'6", according to paper, 220 pounds. He had 108 touchdowns in his career, 17 interceptions, 9-1 and one in 2020. We know what the one loss was, OSU, to that guy. 313 passing yards a game, 24 touchdowns, five interceptions, ratio into last year, eight rushing touchdowns, 44 points per game per offense. That's crazy. Then the third highest winning percentage in all-time college football history. I'm getting louder because he's behind <laughs> only Matt, Do- Matt, Matt Leiner and my man Ken Dorsey from the U. God. Shout out, baby. Save us. Spare us, please. National champion as a true freshman, all those great things. What do you guys see when you see uh, Trevor Lawrence? When you see him play, and what do you see as far as his, his, his arm strength, everything else, his IQ? Where you look? Why is he your number one guy you with? Um, when I look at him, I see somebody like we were just talking about can do everything. Uh, I see a guy who doesn't belong on the competition level that he's on. And that's what I like to see when I look at a quarterback. I like to look at a quarterback and see a guy who who shouldn't be playing with those other guys out there. (laughs) Like throwing over the heads of some of the guys he's throwing over the heads of. And from a perspective of, you know, like I said, I'm a YouTube scout. I'm not looking at the ultimate team. But just from a YouTube scouting perspective, I see somebody who can make all the throws Somebody who can move better than um, you think for a guy mm-hmm. his size. Yeah. You no, know, I, I see a guy who makes a lot of the things that should be hard look easy on a college level. Yeah. What are you seeing, Sean? Yeah, pretty much like Sarah said, he he can he can make all the throws. Uh, physically, he has it. <laughs> pretty much, he has it. Yeah. Um, the size, the strength. Yeah, the size, the strength. He's mobile. Um, I think he has the IQ. And one thing I do like about him, man, he he's he wasn't he played not the best in the uh not the best conference in college football, but it's, I feel like we, yeah, well, I feel like we getting up there though. I feel like we getting up there. Um, listen, um, and he plays and he plays top talents and wins. They they beat Alabama in the uh, so it's a true freshman, like yeah. yeah. So I mean, you can't. It's not that's nothing to sneeze at to me. Like I said, and like I said before, to me, he's the best quarterback prospect that we probably seen since Andrew Luck. That I felt like yeah. like this guy is probably ready now, like right now. You know, so I do think he might have a Justin Herbert like year where it's just like he comes on, he elevates Jacksonville a little bit, but it won't be 
It just it's just Marvin Jones out there and City Jones at the corner. <laughs> what, they, what can they do? <laughs> Sydney, like, baby, <laughs> this guy's losing money. <laughs> and so I think, like I said, our projections is all Jacksonville number one, and I I have my two. We can go around the room. I have Justin Fields as my two. Sean, who do you have? Zach Wilson. I also have Justin Fields. There we go. Okay. So when you talk about Justin Fields, and obviously Troy can make his other case for that, 6'3", 220 pounds. And I think the thing with Justin Fields is that people don't really correlate. He has two years in quotations of tape. He played the full year, and then they came in the Big Ten late. I think if you look at Justin Fields' numbers, he would have a similar resume to Trevor Lawrence, had he played as many years as Trevor Lawrence or any of the other quarterbacks, it's the fact that he just didn't play as long as he did. But in that time, Heisman finalist, 78 total touchdowns, not only to nine interceptions, 70% completion percentage, which is fourth overall, 22 to six touchdown interception ratio last year, 175 passer efficiency, first quarterback in Big Ten history with 40 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns in the season, 47 yard rushing yards per game. The athleticism, as you talked about, where the NFL is going, you have to be able to do all those things. And I really believe that he has the pedigree to make all the throws. And I th- I truly, truly believe that if he had played longer, the numbers, as you know, like we all were getting into Mac Jones setting these SEC all-time records, past the records, he would have had those records. It's just that he didn't have the chance to play those games. What I take him wasn't going to be taken. That's another conversation another day. But he's my number two quarterback. One quick thing, or I don't know if we're leaving Justin. I, I can't that go his performance against Clemson without mentioning the fact that he never should have been there. Yes. Ohio State by rule did not qualify for the Big Ten Championship. And then I thought you were talking about him being hurt and he played hurt. He died on Twitter <laughs> and a whole bunch of OSU stands because they didn't play enough games. Not to the sworn Michigan fan. So they changed the rules. So that they could play in the Big Ten Championship, and that's how they got into the playoffs. I'm so mad I said yes so emphatically. I thought he was saying he played hurt because he cracked his rib in the previous game, and he shouldn't have been out there, and that's why he shouldn't have played. This guy's a Michigan fan, a Wolverine fan, bringing his his election conspiracies, soft accounts, conspiracies. Feel feel free to point out the lie that I just told. I mean, do you want to you want to add anything to the, why Justin is, is your number two quarterback instead of just uh, talking about Ohio uh, State yeah, being a trash organization? Justin Fields is the number two quarterback <laughs> for me. I, I feel like he has um, he does have a good skill set, but what I like about him is his um, his consistency and his play. Um, I actually like the fact that he's been to two different colleges. Uh, I think that shows a level of maturity. I think it shows about, you know, playing in different systems and adjusting to adversity. But I think the other quarterbacks in this draft, well, at least two of them, the ones that have all the tools are Zach Wilson and um, Trey Lance. I think you're talking about players. You have to get in the right system for players you're hoping develop into their skill set. Whereas I feel like Justin Fields – He's played enough at a college level, at a consistent enough level, that you feel comfortable projecting what he's going to be. You don't. You don't think the Northwestern and in, in Indiana games kind of put a wrinkle into the inconsistency, or do you chalk it up to they just played? They, they didn't play a full season. They came back in midseason when everybody else was playing, and that was bad games based off the fact that they just were thrown into a COVID-like season, and he wasn't really ready. Well, uh, it, it definitely was, but what? People don't talk about it. Northwestern was really, really, really good. They were one of the okay, best yeah. in college football. He didn't play a better defense in a college football playoff. You know, people try to kick dirt on the Big Ten, but Northwestern was one of the top three defenses in college football this year. So I know he had a bad game against them, but you know, I like that. I don't, I don't, I don't like these guys that come out there, don't play anybody, and don't have any bad games. Trey Lance. Yeah, it's like it's too, it's too easy. You need to see. You need to see what happens when they throw two interceptions in a game. You need to see what happens when they have a bad performance, how they bounce back. And that's one of the things that I do like about him is you've kind of seen him in uh, tackle adversity come back. You've seen him play hurt um, in the uh, playoff game that they shouldn't have been in. Um, so I, I feel a lot more comfortable taking a player like that as opposed to 
next time Trey Lance throws the interception, that's going to be the first. Yeah, he fucked around, shed a tear. I want to get Sean in here to talk about why he thinks Zach Wilson is his number two quarterback. Obviously, a young, talented quarterback, and I think I really like his arm talent. I think he has a really strong arm. Um, he's accurate, and I really love his footwork, which I think, uh, which has a lot to do with a great what makes a great quarterback. And I love, I love his footwork. I think he's mobile enough. Um, I think that's something he probably, you know, I actually think Zach Wilson's the best running quarterback in his top these top five guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So he, I think he's more than mobile enough. I think he might be faster than the most of them. I mean, uh, to your point, he's mobile well, he's enough definitely to. Faster than Justin Fields. And obviously, I think he's faster than Lawrence. So I think he's might be out of the five guys. I think we're gonna all name. He's. I, we don't even gotta talk about Mac Jones. That's not. We know he can. <laughs> That's not what we talking about running. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, um, I think he's mobile enough. I, um, I think he has. I think he has a lot of the attributes that 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 you would need to have a you know. To be a, pr- a productive quarterback in the league. Obviously, to your point, Zach Wilson, 6'3, 209 pounds, played three years at BIU, 71 total touchdowns, fifth only to 15 interceptions. Mr. Sweatband, because me and Terrell can't stand that sweatband he wears. I can't, <laughs> I can't deal with Why y'all like the sweatband? I can't deal with the sweatband. What's wrong with the sweatband? He got a little swag. He's trying, you mean? <laughs> that, that swag, I don't want it. Howie, <laughs> don't you dare. Let BYU yeah, to 11 and 1 record. <laughs> Thank you. you can't be cocky at Brigham Young University. It's like a Mormon college. I know you <laughs> never mind, but yeah, right. <laughs> Led BYU to 11 1 record in 2020, 73.5% completion percentage was the second overall last year, 11 yards per attempt, also second. 33 touchdowns, just three interceptions, which is first. He only had three picks last year. 196.4 pass rating, which is second in NCAA last year. Uh, I have him number three. Yeah, a little bit of bias here, I should just point it out. I, I feel that's a little bit off-putting. It's the swagger that he plays with. But he is very good. He has a lot of arm talent. He kind of moves around. It's, you know, it's Kyler Murray-ish. I mean, yeah. Kyler Murray, I'm sure, may not be the fastest person, but there's also quickness and elusiveness. And I think that's what he has. I think whereas somebody like Trevor Lawrence is more like a long strider. And, and I think Trevor Lawrence may actually be straight line faster than him. But I think Zach has the quickness. He has the elusiveness similar to Kyler Murray to where you know, I can see him being in the pocket and doing a quick spin to get out of there and launching the ball in 60 yards down the field. So yeah. I do like his uh, – his ability, BYU, who they play. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, I, I yeah, uh, I mean, it's got, he does it, he has pinpoint accuracy. He had a, I, I think people, like he throw, hinted at what the talent situation at BYU. He had a monstrously good offensive line. I think Pro Football Focus has him rated at 96 overall, the offensive line collectively. Like, that's the top two offensive line who he's played. But I, the measurables, the accuracy, Effortless thrower. I, I think that when you talk about effortless thrower, when you see him release the ball, it's not like he's straining himself to launch the ball down the field. You see those measurables there, the arm strength. And I, I do know, like, I would say my comp to him would probably be Baker Mayfield in a sense. I kind of see that kind of game with him. And I do like that only three interceptions last year, which means he protects the ball. Um, so I guess we can move on to the four. Who's uh, I had Trey Lance there. Does anybody else, has anybody else but tries to? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we're all agreeing there. That's good. I actually have Trey Lance at four as well. Okay, so we have a unanimous one and four. Uh, Trey Lance, 6'4", 227. In 2019, because he didn't, he didn't, he only played one game in 2020. I right. guess he just said, you know, it's like the Deion Sanders 40 time. You just, you're so good that you just say, what's the point? 42 total touchdowns in his career. Zero interceptions, as Sir Hinton do. One game in 2020. He said NCAA, an all division records in most pass attempts in the season with 287 without interception. Um, and so there's a question of he's only has 17 career, career college starts, right? So like what we all, like you mentioned before, it's what I mentioned before, you're projecting the sample size to how your team is going to fit. I like him because of his arm strength, because of his ability to move in the pocket. He has, I think, great, pretty good accuracy, everything else. And obviously, his athleticism, he's able to move within the pocket. Can you guys give me why you had this guy at fourth quarterback overall? What do you think? What do you like about the kid? I had a lot of the same uh, characteristics you had. Um, his athleticism, I feel like, is supreme. It's funny, um, he's not as small as Kyler Murray, but he reminds me of Kyler Murray in the way he moves. 
Um, just how like mm. quick and shifty he is. Like he he the way I like he uh how quick he is with making decisions. And and I didn't think his arm, when I watched the tape, I didn't know his arm was as strong as it actually is. So that's why he landed that yeah. four for me. I, I saw like I saw not this level, but I saw a little Josh Allen and like the arm strength a little bit. He's like Josh Allen without size. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like a little bit without size, a little bit of strength, and everything else. But I did see that. I don't know. Um, yeah, I definitely see the arm strength. He has running ability as well. I do try to look at it from like what lessons learned we have from Carson Wentz because you're trying to look at the level of competition. One thing I'll point out about his running is I definitely think he's he has the ability to run, but one of the things you saw with Carson Wentz is. Carson Wentz had the ability to run over guys at that level. Mm. I think Trey Lance does that as well. So I know he has it. I just hope that he can adjust to running in the NFL where, you know, Carson Wentz didn't. But I definitely see the arm talent. I would like to see him, you know, sit, maybe sit for a year and develop the way Patrick Mahomes did. Um, Because honestly, I don't think he's, my honest opinion is I don't think one year is good enough. Throw, throw him right out there from the FCS level. Yeah, so, I, I agree with that for sure. I would take him, don't get me wrong. I would take him and be happy, but I would want him to sit down for a year with a coach that I trust to develop quarterbacks. Go to Tampa, sit behind time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you can't play there now, bro. That, who knows what that might do? Look at Jimmy J. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess we'll get to the fifth quarterback. I think it's another unanimous decision, which is Mac Jones, 6'3", 214 pounds. 41 passing touchdowns in 2020, four interceptions, another low number, 77% completion percentage. The 2020 Davey O'Brien winner, which is, of course is the most outstanding quarterback in college football, highest passer rating efficiency in a single season. And I – there's a lot of anal- analysts that are kind of coming out here and saying he's the number one – you know, I think he – I don't know whose agent – I don't know if his agent paid who or who, who got strippers or what's going on here. But there's been a straight surge of Mac Jones fever – I don't know why. And I will say, as we acknowledge, he's not athletic. He has arm strength. He has good velocity, but is not elite velocity. And my comp is Mitch Trubisky. I'm sorry. My comp is Mitch Trubisky. Take it for what it is. I see, I see Mitch Trubisky, whatever. And I, I, I'll, I'll throw it to you guys how you have him at five. And I wonder if we are doing that disservice. Because I think that when you look at Trey Lance, you can say the similar things that he was surrounded by talent just on that level. You don't we look at Trey Lance's North Dakota State team. They they won championships with Carson Wentz and beyond that for a reason. They have the Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddles, such et cetera, of that conference in football. So it might be the same thing. But for me with Mac Jones, I see a lot of tape where receivers are wide open. I see him throwing to Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, who are now with the pros. I see him throwing to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, who are going to be top 15 picks. You have – you go to the back route, you got Najee Harris, you're handing the ball out to. Like, I don't know if that's a detractor or nothing. Because, again, it could be a good thing. Because, honestly, nobody cared about that. Last year, when Joe Burrow got taken, he was having to march chase everybody else. But to me, I see a guy who can make good throws, Mitch Trubisky, He's making the solid throws, but he's also surrounded by just an elite, elite, elite level of talent. And I just don't know how I can put him above the other guys with their intangibles. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. As far as his ability and how he projects the pros, I do think he's a good thrower of the football. I just don't think he's on the level of the other guys we talked about. Yeah. We talked, we talked earlier about, like, don't bring me somebody who can't do this. I feel like Mac Jones is on the tier of guy that may have some limitations. I mean, could still be very good for you, um, but he is not somebody who can do everything. So I think he's the, he's the line of demarcation in this draft between guys who can potentially do everything and now you're getting to the level of quarterback to where, like, oh, well, he can't, he, he's not a guy we want doing that. You know, we're not going to mm-hmm. run this type of offense. So I think if he gets in the right system, as I would say with a lot of quarterbacks who are going to get drafted from Mac Jones on down, if he gets in the right system, I, I think he could be very successful. But it, as far as the college, college stuff, it's just very hard to tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yo, yeah. If you're a smart quarterback, 
and you're good at throwing the football, I would imagine you put up monstrous numbers at Alabama. It doesn't mean that you're one of the best quarterback prospects in the country. Greg McElroy. Yeah. I honestly think if, if you're one of those guys, I think um take Andy Dalton. I think you put Andy Dalton right now in Alabama. He'd do the same thing this kid was doing. He'd rip it up. And I think it's because Andy Dalton's a smart quarterback. He has experience. And I think it's because he has good enough talent. But I don't know what that means because you're throwing to you're being protected by the best. Yeah. You're being you're handing the ball off to the best. You're throwing to the best. Your defense is the best. Your coach is the best. And the only thing I can say is that while he was very good at Alabama, I didn't look at him and say, Man, like he's the one making this go. Mm. You know, like we, we saw Tua play there. We saw even Jalen Hurts play there for a while. And yeah, he put up great numbers. But I remember I remember when Tua played and obviously he had great talent, but I was like, this dude is different. Um there was something his his talent stood out amongst all those talented players is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. I just don't think Mac Jones Dude, I, I honestly, I'd watch an Alabama game. I wouldn't even notice Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, he'd pile up a whole bunch of stats, but is, there's nothing he did that I was like, man, that was, you know, I would watch, you know, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or Najee Harris, you know, the defense, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say, like, these are these players are standing out to me. Mac Jones has never stood out a lot. That yeah. That's kind of where I sit with him. I, I think he's very talented. I know he's going to get taken in in the first round. I'm yeah. probably you were saying that perhaps he deserves to be taken in the first round. I just put him on a different level than those other guys yeah. because I think those other guys have all the skills. He has four first rounds of receivers. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> and it's, it's hard. It's hard to chalk that up to to his talent. All those numbers. Yeah. Uh, it's actually I actually battled with this one between. Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. Okay. I landed on Mr. Trask. Um, oh! I did. I did. I just I felt look, like... Look, look, look. <laughs> <laughs> of what Kyle Trask is going to look like at the next level than I've seen what, what Mac Jones is going to look like at the next level. I feel like Mac Jones kind of like breezed through the season. Um, like I said, he he's thrown to a, a number of first-round talent. Uh, and I know Trask has uh, Pitts, and he, ha- and he also has uh, Tony. Um, but that's not Devontae Smith or any of those other guys. Jalen Waddle, right? Or obviously, Jerry Judy who got drafted last year, <laughs> right? Or Henry Ruggs who got drafted last year. Like <laughs> he had, he was all on the same team last year. He flew to him, like exactly. So it's like, how can you, how can you not excel? I mean, in a situation like that. So and, the best and, and for those reasons is why I landed on Kyle Trask. Um, he plays, he play, also plays in the SEC. They play some of the same teams. Um. And they were in it. They had a chance, and I like and I like Kyle Trask. He was also up for the Heisman. What do you see with Kyle Trask? Then I'm gonna ask. Yeah, um, I think he has a great, a great, uh, great pocket presence. I think he's accurate. He's filled vision, and he has a strong arm. Would you? Yeah, because honestly, we we were trying to after you listened to me and Terrell talking about everything else, we're trying to pretty much make a case for why Mac belongs at five. Then they're saying, oh, he really belongs at five. Like this is why. Yeah, we just were kind of like in the depth of well, this is his resume. He has the he has the accuracy. He has the talent. He has this, the you know the the arm talent, the IQ. So I guess it fits at five. But there was so anybody who came in here with another pick, you might yeah, be talking. I, I think if you were to make a tier, like those top four would be there. And even if it's number five, number five is a tier below. So you can yeah. put you have a six guy in there and flip them. But there's those top four, and then you're definitely going down a notch. Right. By the way, my sleeper is Kellen Mond, who beat Cal Trask. So. Yo, that's my sleeper. <laughs> uh, I have the opposite of a sleeper. Uh, to all the NFL GMs, do not draft Ian Book. What a bum. I never want to see this player play football again. What a bum. They put Notre Dame on TV so much. I've seen so much of Ian Book. He is terrible. Do not Ian draft Book. him. I don't want to see him in the preseason. I don't want to see him when your quarterback gets hurt. Please do not draft this guy. 
<laughs> Save me from having to watch him play another snap. I love Ian Book. You know why? Because let me take a shout out to Ian Book. Because Ian Book gave me one of the best Kane memories of the last five years and that destruction of Nora Dane that Miami put in 2017 on. <laughs> oh my God. We couldn't have done it without you, Ian. I love you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. I will second that. He does suck. He's a bummer. He does suck. I saw the it Golden is. Tate. What has Notre Dame done for the NFL? I don't know. They gave the guy with a fake girlfriend. Man, <laughs> oh, exactly. That guy. And so as we wrap up, this has been the quarterback breakdown. Howie, if you're listening, you better be listening. <laughs> right. Um. Again, this is the fly zone. We'll be bringing you guys more more breakdowns when it comes to the draft. We got the Eagles got some of your holes. You can have a Eagles. You have a breakdown for any position, and that's how the Eagles can draft this guy. We literally need offensive line. We need linebacker. We need cornerback. We need safety. That's not one position we don't need. So the reality <laughs> is, listen to every breakdown because literally it could happen to us. We need it to happen. But again, that was our we I we broke down the Carson Wentz situation. Quarterbacks, this has been episode 20 of the Fly Zone. Two. This oh. is the NFL draft edition. We got the we got the 20. We almost we almost a drinking age at 21. We almost a drinking age. We don't get there. Give us a week. <laughs> Again, <laughs> listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Google Podcasts, Amazon, YouTube. We're out here. Social media. Again, listen. I don't want to see y'all out here messing the lines up with this thing money. Listen. Listen, and I'm still idea. waiting to get my stimmy. I ain't gonna say nothing about y'all with y'all stimmy about y'all stimmies until I get mine. <laughs> I'm still waiting, Joe. Trump ain't never made me wait this long. Tweet, What's going tweet on? Joe Biden. Tweet, tweet him, Joe. Tweet him, Joe. Or Kamala. <laughs> Again, I'm one of your hosts. I'm Candace McLean, and I'm joined with Deshaun to Connect Carter, and then the draft guru, self-proclaimed special host, special host. Yeah. <laughs> Terrell McLean. We're signing off. Saying it's episode 20. Stay safe out there, people. Peace. Thank you.